What is your faith in really? What are you putting your trust in? You know, life happens. It tests our faith. We find out about the content of our faith. Do we what do we really believe? The publisher of my Bible has labeled this first section of James as testing your faith. And I think that's an excellent title for this section of James. Remember, first we looked at the testing of our faith through hardships and suffering. Do I really believe that God is allowing this hardship in my life to make something better out of my life? Second, we looked at the testing of our faith and decisions that require wisdom. Do I believe that God's way is the best? Do I believe that He will give me wisdom if I ask? Then last week, it was the testing of our faith in wealth, in poverty. Do I believe that the things the world values, like money, truly have no eternal value? Do I believe that my significance comes from who I am as a child of God? Or do I believe that my significance comes from things that I would put on a resume or used to impress people at a party. This week in James 12 through 18, he continues that theme of the test of our faith, but now he looks at the area of temptation and sin. Here's the faith test from these verses. The choice we make when faced with a temptation reveals our faith. We're faced with a choice. Will I go God's way in this moment or will I go evil's way? Every time we choose a sin, even if it's subtle and almost subconscious, we are saying, I do not believe God. This passage of James gives us several very helpful insights into our faith, particularly in the test of temptations. And as I walk through the text, I'm going to list out true things that he says about sin and temptation. And here's the question for us as we look at it. Do you believe what God says about sin and temptation? All right, let's look at verse 12. He says, Blessed is the man who remains steadfast under trial, for when he has stood the test, he will receive the crown of life, which God has promised to those who love him. And we know from what's coming in the next verse that the particular trial he's talking about here is the trial temptation. So to remain steadfast under this trial is to resist temptation, to go God's way. So the first thing that God tells us here is His way leads to happiness. Blessed can be simply translated as happy, and it doesn't mean, of course, immediate happiness because He's talking about someone who's endured temptation. He's saying in the long run, this is the way to happiness. Second, we learn that temptation is a test. The person that follows God under temptation is someone who stood the test. Temptation exposes what you really believe. Your faith passed the test. Third, God's way leads to a great reward. We know from this passage and several other passages that we will be rewarded in heaven based on our performance as Christians here on earth. And that's a promise that God made to those who love him, it says. Jesus said, if you love me, you will keep my commands. So fourth, obeying God is loving God. Verse 13, 
Let no one say when he is tempted, I am being tempted by God, for God cannot be tempted with evil, and he himself tempts no one. God never tempts us. God is not conspiring against you. You can never say, well, God made me this way. Why would he give me this desire if he didn't want me to go that way? And he expands on this idea in verses 14 and 15. He says, but each person is tempted when he is lured and enticed by his own desire. Then desire, when it's conceived, gives birth to sin. And sin, when it is fully grown, brings forth death. Sinful desire comes from my heart. The heart of the problem is in my heart. And it's important for us to make a distinction here uh, between sinful desires and temptation. Being tempted is not wrong. The Bible says that Jesus was tempted as we are, yet without sin. So to be tempted is human. Desire is sin of the heart. Desire is wanting what is wrong at the heart level. You know, think of it like this. If sin is a plant, desire is the root, and our actions are the fruit. Jesus said that the root of adultery is lust, and the root of murder is hate. So if we're continuing in our sins and are living our lives at the root level, that's what we want to deal with. I don't want to just eliminate the fruit of sin. I want to dig into it at the heart level to eliminate the root desires. You know, for example, if I uh, burst out in anger at my children, what is the root of that? I don't want to just get rid of the external. Maybe it's the selfish desire to just do what I want to do. You know, if you want to get rid of a dandelion, you can't just cut the leaves off. You have to dig the root out. The next truth, the evil way leads to death you know that the road, that road may start out looking nice. In fact, I think it always starts out nice, but it gets progressively worse and always leads ultimately to death. The end of that road is death, which leads to the next truth found in verse 16. Do not be deceived, my beloved brothers. The evil way is deceptive. When we see that choice, the wrong way will never look like death, even though the end of that road is death. Satan, the father of lies, can and does tempt us. But this temptation James is talking about is coming from within. We can deceive ourselves, and I think that's super important for us to understand. Jeremiah 17.9 says this, The heart is deceitful above all things and desperately sick. Who can understand it? And keep in mind that deception is a lie about God's way. When Satan tempted Adam and Eve, he deceived them into thinking that God was withholding something good from them. Not true. God's way is the way that leads to blessing and what is good. And that leads us to the next verse, verse 17. Every good gift and every perfect gift is from above, coming down from the Father of lights, with whom there is no variation or shadow due to change. Every good gift is from God. Every, no exceptions. The only thing Satan and evil can do 
is give us counterfeit versions of God's good gifts. Next, there is no expiration on truth. We are constantly changing, but God never changes. So what God calls good is forever good. What God calls evil is forever evil. And then verse 18, of his own, he brought us forth by the word of truth that we should be a kind of first fruits of his creatures. Here James reminds us of a couple of foundational truths. He brought us forth by his word. So God is the creator. And then he calls us first fruits, which alludes to God being a redeemer. God is the redeemer. So if he designed it, therefore we can trust that he knows the best way that it should work. And as our redeemer, we know that he loves us. He wants what's best for us. You know, all these things I've listed are what God says is true about sin and temptation. And because of what God says is true, you can be sure there are many lies that go with each one of these. And I would like for you to take some time to list out uh, what are some possible lies that go with each of these truths. For example, God's way will lead to happiness and every good gift comes from Him. But remember Satan told Adam and Eve that God was withholding something good from them. So the lie would be giving into temptation is the way to happiness. And Good gifts can come from places other than God. How many lies can you think of for each of these truths? Take some time and think it through. And I think that critical thinking might help you in the choices that you might face. So in closing, remember this. Every time you choose to sin, you are saying, I do not believe God. So do you believe what God says about sin and temptation.